0: Alright, cool. So, what? Just feel free to spit it. I, I want this to be conversational. A lot of it is going to be me talking, but feel free to ask questions or to interject or whatever. This, that, that's appropriate. Um, I don't want the whole thing to just be me talking, but a lot of it is just stuff that that Jesus has been talking to me about. So, um, I guess to kind of start off, what what's the first thing um, just in a couple of words that come to your mind when you hear the word evangelism?
1: Sharing the gospel.
0: Billy Graham. (laughs) Preaching. Um, so I'll share a little bit of what I saw. Um, so whenever, um, I grew up seeing church, seeing evangelism done, but to me, um, a lot of times, um, I saw evangelism kind of like this and toss somebody tossing Jesus around, hoping somebody would just catch it. Um, I also saw um, evangelism kind of just thrown at people. Um, And a lot of times, somebody may catch it, but you're nice, so obviously you didn't. But sometimes people like to throw throw things back, Um, and it's not always when you, things start getting thrown back at you, sometimes we don't like things being thrown back at us, so we just kind of back up and and kind of redirect our path. But I guess it wasn't until... Um, so, so like I said, I saw evangelism done. I, I saw evangelism for 10 years. 10-year um, evangelism was in front of me, but I never saw Jesus in evangelism. Um, and part of that, I think, was me. Part of that was... Where I was at, but I think part of it was also uh just the 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 way that the the group or whatever that I was I kept seeing was going about it um, and I saw it done kind of poorly, but I guess at one point I saw um, evangelism through kind of a different lens I was able to see somebody that just kept walking with it in visibility so it wasn't that they were handing something to somebody all the time or, or that they were you know, walking around and, and throwing Jesus at people um, or even necessarily that they were just tossing him around but they kept walking with him in front of them um, the whole time and when you see that um, when you see Jesus presented in that way it's hard to not want what they have in their hands um, and I use the ball because Oftentimes if we're sitting in a class or something and somebody has a ball and they're playing with it, we wanna we wanna play with the ball. Like we want just naturally like, man, I want I want the ball. But that how much kind of is Jesus like that when we see something that somebody has and it and it's and it, it's awesome and we, we, we want that and that's kinda of how I guess how, how I got to know who Jesus was, just because somebody was walking out of evangelism rather than it being something that they do. <clears throat> Um. So I kind of want to talk through that And I'm going to Last night I kind of worked through some of the notes But I'm going to hop off a little bit um, Off and on just with some of this stuff I felt like you wanted me to share But I would say that Just kind of What evangelism is I would say that it's not about ministry It's about Jesus Evangelism isn't about building a ministry It's about building Jesus' kingdom And I say that where a lot of us go wrong or where a lot of us kind of have weird motives and we want to we want to incorporate Jesus um, into our lives instead of surrendering to him and what I mean by that is it's easy to, to plug Jesus into something uh, what's already there it's easy to say okay I'm gonna you know I'm gonna plug him in and I'll go to you know Kyle for whatever on, on Wednesdays, and then I'll do this and this and this and plug them in places or incorporate them into our lives. But surrendering our lives and allowing our lives to be a representation and allow everything else to, to be affected by that is a little bit different. And I think that's where it gets hard. It gets um, challenging, and that's, that's kind of the process of, of living dead or walking out what it means to, to live dead. But I would say that everywhere we go, we should be living with him. Uh, the Bible tells us to be imitators of him and to be imitators of love. And I would say that we are sons. Um, the Bible describes all of us as sons. Um, even 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 girls. It describes girls as we're all sons of, of the king. And that's a little weird, but... Um, I would say that if, if I can be a bride, you guys can be sons. Um, and so I guess just to give you, um, if you when you if you look through your notes, evangelism, a definition that I kind of came up with is, is evangelism is communicating the good news of Jesus Christ and inviting a response. Um, communicating, I don't think necessarily always means that, that we're... I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna I'm gonna preach this sermon. I don't think that's necessarily what communicating means. I think that's a form and that's certainly a, a good form of communicating, but I would say communication goes beyond um, our just our speaking abilities. Um, communicating we communicate all, all day long through, you know, our our actions or body, um, language. body language or our attitudes. Um, communicating isn't something that, that just something you're, you're talking or sharing with someone, but I would say that evangelism at some point requires verbal communication of the good news. At some point, like even if you're, you're representing Christ through your actions at some point, it's necessary to share why you're doing what you're doing or, um, uh, who you're doing it for. I would say that acts of love and signs of God's power also have their place in the communication process um the way that we carry ourselves through a day um our acts of kindness and love toward people that, that's part of communicating who, who Jesus is and how, how he lives in us and I would say that deeds of love confirm the authenticity of the messenger um <coughs> So I want to kind of open up, I guess, a little bit of a discussion. So why um, you have a bunch of bullet points, but to you, why why is evangelism important? What 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 is why? Not necessarily. I don't want like a textbook answer, but to you, why is it meaningful?
1: I know for me, like I want to see my friends come to Christ like I did, and like I think that's just should be just as important to me as it is to God. I don't know about you, Corey, but whenever I walk around Austin P, I see a lot of depressed people. Like it's, it's a depressing place. Like there's a lot of darkness in Austin P, and I feel like if I'm not evangelizing, this is, is seriously. Like I need to bring the light to Austin P, because a lot of you aren't doing what the Lord says. I'm not trying to judge them, but I want to bring that light to so we'll slide of the dark place that is Austin P.
0: Yeah. I would say that both of those are really awesome answers, and they kind of point to that first point. Um, God wants to see this world healed and restored, and I would say that Austin P. isn't the only place, most certainly not the only place that's in in darkness. Um, All of our campuses are, are in darkness. All of our campuses are fallen, and all of our communities surrounding those campuses are fallen. There may be some that are in worse shape than others, or some that have some that you can see a little bit more clearly. But I would say that there is nothing um, like the power of Jesus to restore a broken world and broken lives to what God originally intended. And if you want, I'm not going to go through and read all of them, but these are, I, I've kind of listed scriptures in each of these bullet points. Read right now. So if you want to look at John 3.17, it will kind of point back to that kind of main point. Um I would say the second kind of thing, and this is huge, is Jesus commanded and commissions us. So it's kind of a two part deal. Um, In Matthew 28, we all kind of have heard, you know, the Great Commission. We've all heard that over and over again, but somebody presented it in a way that made it a little bit different for me. Um, If you look at the wording, and this kind of goes past a lot of translations no matter how you look at it, it it's worded similarly in all of them it says that all authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus it said in that moment every bit every ounce of authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus and if you think about that in in its context that was stated right before he gave his, a, a final command and in my opinion he's saying um I'm about to say something really important and I don't care what anyone says after that I want you to hear this and I want you to listen to it um, if someone told me that they'd been given every ounce of authority that heaven had been put into their hands that that would that would show that there there's not anyone that he wants you to 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 bow down to other than what he's about to say um, that an angel could come to you tomorrow and he doesn't care. He, if an angel tells you, hey, I, I don't want you to evangelize, you know, right there. He's saying, no, I want go and make disciples. That's what I've commanded you. I, I, I'm above the angels. I'm above everything right now. Um, I have all the authority of, you know, the, the police, you know. I've been given the authority on earth and heaven, and there's not one person that's gonna going to kind of stand and tell you differently. So that kind of changed that a little bit for me uh, when I looked at it through that lens. But when we share the gospel, we are obeying Jesus' command, and we're joining in the Great Commission uh, that he entrusted to us. And the verses for that kind of point was Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and John twenty nineteen through 21. I would say in that moment, the second part of that, he, he also commissions us. Like, he also... He gives us what we need to do that. He doesn't say, "Do this and hope you do it well." It's like he, he, his Holy Spirit came. We've been given His Holy Spirit, and we've, we're able to, to walk in that, in the same the same footsteps He was. Um, it says He 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 told His disciples that even greater things that they would do after after He left them. And that's crazy to me because he rose people from the dead. He, you know, I don't. That, I just sounds crazy that even greater things we would do because the Holy Spirit's inside of us. But I would say that the third point um, is God desires a relationship with uh, every human being, um, and for all to hear. Uh, Jesus repeatedly told stories about God's love for the lost. God is like a shepherd searching for one of the lost and vulnerable sheep. He is like a woman looking in every nook and cranny for a lost and valuable coin. He is like a father who celebrates uh, when his lost and confused son returns home. These parables all illustrate God's earnest and patient search for every person. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, and as uh, as some understand slowness, he is indeed patient with us and not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, I would say that evangelism then is joining in God's search for people. Um, it's joining in, in His search to, to bring people home, to bring people to a place where they were intended to be. Um, and I think a big part of that is realizing that they're not in a place where they were intended. They're not at home. Um you want to write down the, the verses I have in that, uh, is Second Peter three nine, and he also says in that same kind of bullet point, and and you know, he says that God is preparing us a full house in heaven, uh, and we are blessed with to work with Him in that in that goal while we're on Earth. Uh, he says, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in that's in luke fourteen twenty-three, and in romans 10 uh, 10 14 he rhetorically points out what will happen if we don't he says how then can they call on the one they have not he- uh, believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them verse 15 goes on to praise the, the beautiful feet of those who uh Share the good news. I want to I want to work through um, the the next two kind of points from more of a personal stance. So for the last month, actually more than that, for the last couple of months, Jesus has been kind of changing. Um, my perception of what what evangelism means um, is something that I feel like the, the biggest thing he's been working um, in and through me. And sharing the gospel is a powerful way to love people. Um, and I would say loving people is a powerful way to share the gospel. I would say if you can put those in reverse. Um, so when we wake up in the morning, we have two choices. We can wake up with our attitude, or we can wake up with his. And I would say that we wake up with his, not, not because we're just able to do that, but we wake up with his because we know who we are. Jesus, um, it says that Jesus was fully man, but also fully God, which indicates that he had human emotions, he had human feelings, and he dealt with those. But not once did you, you see him choose kind of a selfish path. And I believe that that's because every morning when he got up, he communed with his father. Every morning when he got up, he chose to wake up with his father's attitude instead of his own. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I feel like that's something that he's been challenging me to do. But I feel like the the way that you do that is kind of two things. To, one, two. I can't do that I can't stay in his attitude without without being in relationship like constant relationship it's impossible um, the relationship with the father I, I picture is kind of like a big fountain like an underground stream um, and he constantly refers to 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 himself as, as living water and something that wouldn't run dry and I think that as long as we are pursuing relationship, we have to pursue that. That's not something that just happens. As long as we're pursuing that, that fountain's not going to stop flowing, and we're able to love, we're able to to give, and we're able to keep pouring out because there's something that's continuing to pour in, and that's not stopping. I think the only way that we can stop that is to continue to stop continuing to to go to that fountain, and. For me, uh, kind of like I was saying earlier, choosing to wake up with his attitude instead of mine isn't something that I just wake up and say, all right, I'm going to be in Jesus' attitude today. It's, I'm waking up and I'm going to that fountain and I'm getting filled up. And throughout the day, I'm continuing to revisit that fountain. Um, and that's, that's, I guess, is the first step for me. But... I guess the second step and that what, what he had been kind of challenging me with as far as evangelism goes is that evangelism wouldn't be something that we just go and do. It would be something that we live in. Um, I'm not saying that going and doing evangelism, if events isn't effective or is, is bad or, or I'm not lowering them at all. Um, in fact, I, I love doing them, but there's some of my favorite things to do I love doing going out and doing street evangelism and doing prayer walks and stuff like that um, some of my favorite stuff and, and even before you know the last couple of months that's always been something I love doing but I felt like Jesus started to challenge me why are you not why Why is this not something that you're just do? that you just live in why is it something that you choose to go and do for an hour when you have an hour of time why are you you continuing to walk past people um and that was that's hard, and that's really challenging because remaining in that um, that idea sounds tiring. I don't know if, yeah, if you guys are like me, but continuing to walk in a place that of uh, just complete surrender and com- complete um, abandonment, and then also that we would continue to spend ourselves sounds really tiring. But I would say that it's it's only tiring if we're operating through our own um, ability, or our own um, resources, uh, or our own attitudes. And I would say that the hard—that the hardest part—and um, that's why that the the fountain, and that's why revisiting that fountain, that's why continuing to maintain a relationship is crucial, and being able to walk as Jesus walked. Um, so moving to the next point uh, the future of unbelievers matter deeply to God and I'm going to share a bunch of really real stuff and I don't want anyone to feel like uh, like I'm calling you out or, or any of that I'm just going to share stuff that he's been been talking to me about um, so if that's you, that's awesome. But if it's not, that's that's awesome too. And um, I would say that a lot of... So I'm talking about this idea of um, remaining in evangelism, allowing evangelism to be something that just I'm doing naturally day, day through the day. And I think that something that's kept me in the past... From doing that, um, is that at some point, you know, I was hurt by something someone said, um, or I was hurt from a conversation, or there's fear of being hurt from a conversation. But I would say that it's not about being hurt um, uh, by people, but it's it's about being hurt for people, and that's kind of been something that has become really really real in my mind in the last in the last two months. And I would say, what about? So when you think about evangelism, when you think about your day to day life, I would say, what about your mission field at school um, or work? How are you with, with Jesus when you're there? Um, all those places are your mission field. Chi Alpha isn't isn't your mission field. Your mission field is is your classes. Your mission field is is your job. Your mission field is is your sometimes your family. And I would say, what is your relationship with Jesus like when you're standing in those places? What about the people who are dying all around you, who are lost? Do you care about them? These are things that Jesus is begin asking me um, as, a, as I kept passing by people. Um, every second of every day, there are people dying all around us. Um, I'm walking and I know that there are people who might not be here tomorrow and I can't afford to walk around them and then not know that I'm worshiping a king who's real and that keeps getting painted over and over and over again in the last two months um, The the I had a guy who I was if you were in worship this morning Jackie asked me to share something I thought that she was asking me to share <laughs> that but something completely different um so, I had a guy that I was I was doing discipleship with, and um, over spring break, he, you know, went with us, and then he came back, and his friend wasn't on, in class on Monday, and it wasn't like his friend to miss, so he tried texting him, no answer. Um, then he went, and on Tuesday, checked out his dorm, no answer, tried to call his home, no answer. Wednesday, uh, his teacher told him that... that his friend had passed away. Um, and we had a lot of really rich conversation on Wednesday, and that's hard because at that point, my friend, uh, the guy who was discipling, said that he he felt a little bit like um, he could have done more, I guess, or shared Jesus more, or whatever. And it's easy to feel like that after it's too late, but it's easy to continue to pass people by when it, when it, when when we're walking around them because. I don't know. Um, for me, I, I'm young. Um, you guys are young. And death isn't something that's, that's super common. It happens, but it's not something that, that we're dealing with a lot. So, But I would say that the reality is that, that our friends are dying, regardless of whether they're, they're physically dying. They're, they're living um, in, in a place of death. They're living in a place of, um, of darkness, and that, I like I said, I can't continue. Just as, as Jesus keeps painting this picture, I cannot continue to keep walking past him. There's another girl involved in our ministry, um, and she was. We have a class at Austin P that all the freshmen have to take, and in that class, they're kind of appointed a peer mentor, which is an upperclassman who will kind of just be their peer mentor and she was this same student peer mentor and she said all that week she was super busy but all that week she kept feeling like hey I need to reach out to this guy I don't know why but I just need to reach out to him but she never had the chance before they left on the spring break trip and she comes back and um, found out that he had passed away and just completely wrecked her because she, she said I'd didn't look at it as such a huge opportunity until I didn't have the opportunity anymore. Um, and I think we do that with a lot of things. I um, Don't know what you got till it's gone, type deal. Do what? Don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah, yeah, you don't realize. Um, so one of the big kind of takeaways from that is we can't continue to walk around people and then not know that we're worshiping a king who's real. Um, so imagine that you are doing some normal activity going going to... Actually, let me backtrack a little bit. So I, I want to share two illustrations. They're kind of tied together. Um, they're not mine. I didn't come up with them, but I heard them. In the, and they're, they're something that really, really challenged me. And I just want you to try to put yourself... Um, imagine what what's said... But so imagine you're doing some normal activity, um, you know, going to get coffee, and there's a ton of people around. Are you worried that those people, there might be people in that group that are going to hell? And I would say that if that's not something that's normally crossing your mind, I would say that you need to begin reading more of this, of, of your Bible, because that's, the reality is everybody is headed to two eternities, one of two eternities either heaven or hell there is not no fence there isn't a, a middle ground you're either for him or you're against him we as believers we're either for him or against him we're working to 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 glorify him or or we're working against him there's not a middle area where i'm just remaining neutral um and we have that's something we have to choose to walk in so this is kind of the illustration that he painted he said that uh, the guy said he had a friend um, who was an atheist and that night he went to bed an atheist um, he, he he didn't know he, he didn't believe that there was a Jesus he didn't believe that there was a Satan he just believed that he was going to go to bed and one day that he wouldn't wake up um so he goes to bed that night and he, they, he, he told um, his friend the next day about this dream that he had and he said it was the most vivid dream he's ever had in his life um he said that he comes up and he's in, he's on a plane. He's in this in this plane and it's in it's flat. Huh?
1: Airplane?
0: No, like a plane, like a field. Okay. Um, and he said that on one side he said that he saw Jesus and he and he, he his friend said, Well, how do you know it was Jesus? He's like, I, I don't know, but if there's a Jesus that was Jesus and he's like, I know it was Jesus and he said there was a bunch of people standing with him. And then he said that there was what he believed was Satan on the other side, and he's like, it wasn't some red guy with horns or anything. He just said it would just looked like a really pissed off dude with a lot of lot of angry people um, and hurt people, people crying and stuff. And he said that he was confused, but he said that a fence appeared in the middle, um, and he said that he just hopped up onto the fence because he didn't want to pick a side. Um, and he said when he did. All of it goes away. He's just up on the fence. Satan with his people disappeared. Jesus with his people disappeared. And then he said he's standing there for a few minutes. And then Satan comes back into the picture and he said, Oh, I was looking for you. And he looks back at him and says, You know, I didn't choose you. And I and I, I didn't choose him. And he, and he said, Satan looked back at him and he said, Sure you did. The fence is mine. Um... And there's people who are standing in a place where they believe they're on a fence. They they believe that there's a middle ground that they don't have to choose. They they believe that there's a neutral spot um, where where they don't have to make that decision or they don't have to know. But I firmly believe that that fence belongs to Satan. He would love to convince people to that 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 there there's a place that they can rest where they don't have to be sure. They don't have to 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 follow anything, they can live in their own desires and do their own own thing. But, and I would say that we're a ton of people on our campuses. Is that
1: I call them IDC, I don't care. It's like they're just it's not that they don't believe or anything. It's just they want to focus on the here and now, and they don't want to you know figure that out yet.
0: They just don't care. But I guess the second part of this picture is what wrecked me and. He said that imagine you're a, uh, you know, the end times have come, and there's two lines. There's a sheep line, and there's a goat line. And he said the sheep know where they're going. They worship the king, and they know who the king is. And the goat line, they're people who who, um, have turned from him or have heard him, or maybe they've never heard anything. Maybe they were those people on that fence. And... He said, imagine as you're passing them, they're they're going a different direction. And they, at that point, they realize where they're going. And the whole time, you knew where you were heading, and you knew where they were heading. And those, those people were passing, he, the goats were passing. They were looking at the sheep and saying, man, why didn't you tell me? Um, what were you afraid of? Uh, you walk past me every day. And... Man, that, that even, you know, this moment just tears my heart up. Like, there's people who are lost and don't know that they're lost, and we're walking past, and we continue to walk past them. Maybe you don't know them, but that's not the point. There's people that we're continuing to walk past every day who who don't know who Jesus is, and, and we're not walking in a place where we're where they're able to see him. They know maybe we're involved in a ministry, but... Or, are we continuing to, to walk in a place where they, they're able to see the king? And I think that we've been given a really short window of opportunity called life uh, to live for the one who's created us. And I would say, what are you doing with that opportunity that's been given to you? Um John three eighteen says, "Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name uh, of God's own, one and only Son." As Christians, our awareness, you know, that our family, friends, and and strangers will otherwise be eternally separated from God. That's what should should motivate us to proclaim uh, the hope of Jesus and. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 Encourage us to value others above ourselves Not looking to your own interest But to each of you the interest of each other's. And I would say witnessing to the people in your life uh, Is in a way putting the utmost value in their lives Over over your own comfort So I'm going to kind of just move over the last two points And I'll give you the scriptures for that But I would say that one of them is Acts one eight, and the other one is uh, under bullet point six is John fifteen uh, two, and then in God is glorified. I'll let you look through those yourself. But Second uh, Corinthians five twenty, and then also Matthew five sixteen. And if you guys want the full kind of detailed notes, I, I will email that to you. Um, but I guess I want to talk through some common questions that have kind of been, I guess, hindering points for me. So some people say, am I called to, to, to be an evangelist? But I want to argue that we're all called to be evangelists. There's you take the idea of an office right all of us are going to have different offices you know some people will be pastors that I don't feel like that's what he's called me to do Um, some people will be full time evangelists some people will be prophets some people will be in the marketplace Um, some people will be missionaries world missionaries some people will be we all have different places some people will be in medical some people will be in science department but We've all been called um, to be evangelists. And I would say that as, as believers, sometimes we sit in what, what we think is a gray area. So not in the same way as defense, but I would say are we just sitting around and waiting on a rescue mission out of here? We know who Jesus is and we know that he saved us, but are we sitting around and waiting on, on, on a rescue mission? Because I would say that's not what the, rapt, the rapture is. The rapture isn't a rescue mission. It's a pickup for a wedding date and we want as many of our, the people around us to see that to know that It's not to get rescued out of here so we're not stuck here anymore it's it's we're here as an opportunity to 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 grow and strengthen um, as a bride and I, one interesting thing so it says that in revelations and and I can look up the scripture I don't know it off the top of my head but it talks about that that in end time Jesus will come after the bride had made herself ready. That implies that there's something that we have to do. Um, I don't the bride making herself ready that, that that's us evangel- like that's us building up as a as a church, as one. That's that's us growing, that's making ourselves ready for Christ to come. And as I being walking in evangelism is how we do that. But going back to the idea is, am I called to to do evangelism? We're supposed to preach the good news to everybody. Every believer is called to share the good news with all of creation. And it said that all of creation is longing um, to see the sons of Christ manifest. So I want to talk through two more things. So I said that we need to tap into the truth he has created us to be. And what does that mean? Um, going back to we're all sons, if, I think if we realize that and realize the weight of that, um, that would change the way we look at a lot of things. Um, that would change the way we look at uh, our opinions of ourselves. Um, sometimes we think we're not good enough or we, we don't know enough but I would say that, that because we're sons we're, we're sons of a, of a king an eternal king who, who created all creation um, all, all, all that kind of power has been put in our hands if we use it to his glory and I would say Christians need to wake up to the reality of Christ him crucified and resurrected waking up to the reality that God chose us um, and wants to live inside of us he wants to continue that, that kind of live in us That that's not a I'm going to live in, in, in you for a moment and then you do your thing And but he also wants to touch the world around us and I said that we have the ability to speak life into somebody I wouldn't be here right now if somebody didn't speak life into me um, I'd still be dead I would actually probably most likely be physically dead but we have the ability to shift somebody's future. Um, you can tell somebody somewhere that God loves them so much. And I would say that, that we need to kind of... Actually, I want to ask you a question. So I guess as you're thinking about kind of the stuff I'm saying, what's some what's something that keeps you? What's something that, that makes it difficult? And and I'll go first. Um, for me, something that made walking and continue um evangelism hard is fear um but specifically i guess it, it was always easy for me to go somewhere and evangelize but then when i'm evangel walking in that and with people who i know all the time i guess the fear that they're going to somehow see me weird or or different or whatever i guess that's something that's kind of been hard for me for me
1: it's a couple things um First of all, that they might not care, because, I don't know, that kind of... Because it's something I hear about so much, that if they don't care, it's like, oh, sorry. Or offending, slash, making them really uncomfortable. Because I'm very hyper-sensitive to, like, how other people are feeling, kind of what their body language is saying and stuff, and just, like, wanting to, like, love people and stuff, and not kind of not wanting to make them uncomfortable. But that's... I know it's important, it's just I struggle with that. Yeah. i <clears throat> I'm kind of like, hey, you, you want to buy what I'm selling? That deal. Like if they don't want what I have, it kind of upsets me because I feel like I have the answer and they're not listening. So I need, it. like, for me, that's why I kind of struggle with it because I, I, I talk to a lot of people about it, but like, I go every single time they just reject what I have
0: to say. So. One of the bullet points, one of the questions, one of the, the kind of things that I, that that kind of was in my mind about like, man, what what has kept me in the past from, from doing this well? And I would say it was fear. But um, I read in Second Timothy one seven that we're not supposed to, to, to have fear. That as believers, we're not supposed to have, to walk in a place of fear. What if we could live in a, and and live so abandoned um, to faith? and so in love with Jesus that circumstances around us wouldn't influence the Christ that's within us and I want to live, live to make him known in this world and I don't want to bow to, to anything but Jesus And these, these are all things that have been like increased in the last month and I would say because he's continually to reveal who I am I'm, I'm, I'm a son and that's all that matters if if I can just continue to be a son, he's going to continue to be a father. He's going to continue to take care of me, and knowing that allows has allowed me in the last, you know, couple of weeks to talk to people in a different way because something something just clicked um, after he started talking, and and I realized that there's I can't be hurt if I'm walking and in, in relationship and, and communion with him, I and and I'm walking knowing who I am, I. I can't be hurt, you know. I, I you can walk into a, a conversation, and you know that person can reject me or spit on me, hit me, whatever. But in the end of that conversation, I'm walking away knowing that I did did my Father's will, and I, I still know who I am at the end of that conversation. So their their in their their perceptions of me it has does, doesn't sway that. And I would say that we need to be a people who don't have a sellout price. Judas had a sellout price. Judas knew who Jesus was. He saw who Jesus was. But there was a point where he had a sellout price. And I would say that even as a, as a missionary, one of the biggest things that kind of wrecked me working through this was Jesus showed me that, that in a way when I walked through by people who I felt like he had put on my heart because it made me uncomfortable, that's a sellout price. Um, and I would say, what What's yours? For real, think about it. Have you surrendered all that you can? Have you surrendered all that you have, and said that I can't be bought? Or are you still walking in a place, and maybe you don't even realize there's a still-out price? Maybe you haven't. That's not something He's revealed to you, but to me, He He revealed that, and I no longer can continue to to walk in that. Um, I want to be a part of a generation who would run, who wouldn't grow weary, who wouldn't grow tired, who would not be afraid. Who would be storming the gates of hell every day. Who would who would get in the word every day and establish relationship. Ones who wouldn't be influenced by celebrityism. And I don't know if that's a word. But to me I felt like sometimes it's easy to go out and do evangelism so that people would see you. Um or, or somehow that you would check off the the good deed box for the the week or, you know. I'm not saying that, that walking in continual surrender or whatever will be easy or that you won't have opposition. I would say that quite the opposite. You're going to have people who don't don't want to hear what you're going to say or don't agree with what you say, and you're going to have people that walk away, and that hurts. But I would say that when all of hell seems like it's coming against you, you know you're going the right path. Um... We have to hurry. So, I'm going to try to get done with five minutes sector, but we're going to have to move really fast. I want to share one more story really quick. Um, and kind of give you a few kind of things that have been helpful to me in walking through this. So, to me, evangelism isn't something that I just go and do anymore. Evangelism is walking into a coffee shop and telling telling some dude, hey man, you don't even have to share a huge gospel story, but like, hey, Jesus loves you, man. You're really appreciated and I just want you to know that if you didn't know that. The conversation is as simple as that. Just showing people that they're loved. Um, I feel like a lot of times, I guess, where I saw evangelism done poorly is I I was told that I was going to hell. I was told that, you know, you better change or this is going to happen. And I would say that we should never threaten um, hell. I would say that you, not that we shouldn't warn people, um, but I would say that you 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 threaten an enemy and you warn a friend. Um, we never should be operating in a place where where that's our message, um, I, our purpose. And if you look at how Jesus did ministry, He should love, and He continued to walk in a place where I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of my way to love you, and I think that that's what to me that the that's what evangelism is, and that. There are different forms of that, and I'm not saying that (laughs) doing prayer walks and stuff isn't that. That is loving people, but I would say that walking in a continual place of that is something that he's been challenging with and putting in my heart. Also, that I would be sensitive to hearing his voice for people, and I just want to share, there's been so many, I I could share so much, but there's been so many opportunities in the last... um, two months (laughs) so many times where I've gotten to talk to people I want to share two really quickly Um, if you begin to ask Jesus to to talk to you if you begin to ask him one thing that I felt like he challenged me to do is before I leave my house every morning ask him Jesus who do you want me to talk to today and expect that he's going to put somebody in front of me Um, if you start asking him that I guarantee that he'll put somebody in front of you every single time you ask him Um, he wants to see the world come to know him and so we're doing, I knew that, I was, that this was going to happen just because of the, what he was working through. But we go on the spring break mission trip. We're in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I had planned to, to do a prayer walk. And I was like, man, I just knew, I could sense he was just going to do something, you know, kind of outrageous or push me out of my comfort zone. And I would say that the, us being comfortable isn't the point it's going to be uncomfortable it's not it's not a normal human kind of reaction but so we show up at the beach and me and taylor you might meet her here we're walking and i just start laughing and i just she was like what and um i was like i felt like jesus just told me to do something ridiculous She's like oh great this will be fun and but I felt like there was a restaurant down the road, and I felt like he told me to walk into that restaurant and tell every single person in there that they are loved and appreciated by God, and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> so go to the restaurant. We, we saved that from last, but like we did all the other stuff, and I'm like trying to avoid it, but I'm like, no, nah, I gotta, I can't continue to walk. And I'm asked him to show me people I, I gotta do it. So we go in there, it was awkward as heck. When I walked in there, the entire baseball team of college guys, I'm like, dang it. (laughs) This is so much easier. I can talk with old people all day long, but it's harder when it's people that are our age. Mm. It's like, what are they going to think? They're going to think I'm crazy. (laughs) Um, So I walk in there. I'm like, Hey everybody listen, I got something to say it's so weird but I shared, I told them and then they just paused Like everyone in the restaurant just paused what they were doing I thought, oh crap <laughs> but then two of the guys looked up and was just like man, thank you I, I don't, I've never seen anybody do that that's kind of weird and I ended up having a cool conversation with two of them about why we were doing it um, and then we left so I don't know if the, something will come out of that, but it, it caught their attention because the guy asked, "Why? Why did you do that? That's weird." Um, so anyway, I just say that to say that, like, he, if you start asking him, he's gonna start talking. And sometimes it's, he start talking at a pace faster than we're wanting or ready to move. But if you continue to move, he'll continue talking. If we're willing to show up, he's willing to show out. Um, and the other thing that happened is I, I started asking him to, to give me opportunity to hear his voice, even when I wasn't necessarily doing something like spiritual or praying or whatever. So the day that I prayed that, like two hours later, I'm riding on my lawnmower mm-hmm. out in the backyard, and I felt like he, he put somebody in my heart and told me to go call them and to ask them to talk. And I was like, "Cool, okay. I'll well, call him as far get them mowing. Let me just continue mowing." And then I felt like he's like, "No, now." I was like, "Dad, come it."
1: <laughs>
0: get off the mower. Go and call them. And they can't meet that day, so they continue mowing. They meet the next day. The, she's like, "But I, I really want to meet, and I'll meet the next day." But um, I want to share this story because I don't feel like we have to have all the answers. I don't even feel like we have to have any of the answers. I just feel like we have to be in a place of surrender in a place of being willing. To, to move when God asks us to move and I say that because I felt like he asked me to to start this conversation and I don't know the person super well I'm getting to know them but and also another thing that kind of made it weird is I do a lot of ministry stuff with guys but not a ton with, with, with females and it was a female and I was just like man I have no idea what I'm about to talk about he didn't put anything on my heart didn't seem like she had anything either so I was just like this is going to be weird <laughs> um, and Continued to pray all that day all the next morning nothing it wasn't until 10 minutes before that meeting I felt like he just downloaded a ton of stuff Um, and then when I started talking he just even more and said some things that I could not have known Um, but the person just began crying and said that they were overwhelmed and uh, the um, Jesus she knew that for 100% that Jesus was talking to her but I would just say that to say that You don't have to be a super prophet or a a super evangelist. You don't even have to be a theologian or or know scripture like the back of your hand. If you're just willing to to represent Christ, if you're willing to be kind of a physical manifestation of him, he's going to show up and he'll give you what you need. Even if it's retarded ten minutes before and you're freaking out like, I don't know what I'm about to talk about, Um, but... I would say that if we're operating in that place, he's going to show up there. He's going to, to begin to impact people around you. And I would say that that's a daily thing. So I guess just, um, I wanted to work through, uh, you want to just shoot through bullet points at the end really quick? Um, I wrote down six practical things that, that we can do. Uh, <coughs> And we're going to have to go really fast. We have like five minutes. Um, I would say start conversations with anyone. The person Jesus talked to in John 4 is a Samaritan. The hated enemy of Jews. She is also a woman, which means a Jewish man would ne- would normally never speak to her alone. However, Jesus is happy to initiate conversation with her as soon as she walks into his presence. So I would say start, tr- uh, start, uh, try starting com- those conversations. Everyone has a good friend whom they naturally spend time with, but there also may be many other people who we can interact with in lectures, in dorms, cafeterias, supermarket, your work, coffee shops. Why not see every person you meet as a potential conversation partner? I'd say the second point is adjust your life pattern to make conversation possible. Jesus met this woman while she was on a journey, but he could have made the trip in a way that Avoided Samaria. Instead, he intentionally takes a route into enemy territory that he can connect with people who need him. Try joining a sport club. Try going to a new, new event or a new cafe every week. Try shopping at a different store to sit next to someone new in, in a lecture who you don't normally sit with. If you're not regularly getting to talk to people who need Jesus, I would say make some small changes so that you can meet new people you might also want to consider whether you're spending too much time with, you know, the same group of people or whether your group is is inviting to new to new people. I would say maybe to trade a, a meeting or two with those people and go and not sit in your dorm and, and and just have time alone again, but maybe take that time and go and embed yourself into something even even if it's awkward. Um I would say that the third point is chat about everyday life. Jesus didn't ask, didn't begin by asking the woman for. uh, Jesus begins by asking the woman for a drink of water. He doesn't leap and say, "Hey, let me tell you about the Messiah. He's me." You know that would be weird. He he starts with um, normal conversation, and I say that he knows any serious or authentic conversation is just a hair away from the gospel. If you look at when he did ministry, he always started by by asking the person just just about normal life, or asking them about uh, normal things, or he would disguise it in a way that seemed like normal conversation. I would say try chatting with different people. Uh, Tell them a story about your day or ask them how their week's been, what they've enjoyed, what they've disliked, you know, what they're reading or watching lately. I would say start light and see where the conversation goes. The fourth point is ask questions. And uh, Jesus suggests that the woman go and find her husband. He could have told her uh, she was using romantic relationships as a part of uh, a futile search for meaning. He knew that. He knew where he was going when he asked her to go find her husband. He knew where he wanted that conversation to go. Instead, he asked a razor-sharp question that gets to the heart of who she is as a person. Try asking those kind of questions. Don't think of yourself as an expert with all the answers, but until you've asked... uh, uh, your conversation partners with uh, some questions you may not even know quite how to relate the gospel to them or where they're at um, or um, I would say that you can uh, never mind, move, move a little bit uh, and I would say listen to those questions and then try answering the questions behind the questions and that's a retarded point I apologize that just sounds really messy but I guess to kind of s- summarize that the woman wants to know whether the Jewish temple temple or the Sumerian temple is the one true place of worship and Jesus kind of if you look at that chapter kind of shuts that down and moves back into a well, more he steers the question back to, to to where he was wanting that to go and he didn't cut the woman off or tell her blah 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 this is wrong he simply asks another question um, and I would say try not to get caught up in arguments but try to uh, get to the core of their concerns. For example, um, a question about biblical teaching on homosexuality is not necessarily an inviting uh, an invitation to explain uh, biblical sexual ethics, but the underlying question may be, be something like, am I welcome in your Christian community, or do you look down on me? And I would say a good way to discern an underlying question is to say, why do you ask? Or to, to another good question to kind of figure out where they're at is that's a good question. What do you think? And that way you can hear where they're at. And I would say that, that if we begin listening or trying to discern where somebody's at before we start speaking, that puts you miles ahead in a conversation. And I would say number six is share Jesus. At some point through a conversation, you're going to get to a point where, where you're going to have opportunity to talk about Jesus, even if it's in a small way. I think a helpful question to ask yourself and the Holy Spirit is, "How is Jesus good news for this person? Is there a story about Jesus or an aspect <coughs> about His atonement that reveal uh, to what you are that re- is relevant to what you are discussing, or is there a part of your personal testimony that would be helpful?" Share them and dis- discuss it with them. Ask what they think about it. If people seem receptive, I would say it's also a good opportunity to invite them um, to give like a invitation to like a response and ask them if they want to pray. I would say that stop missing opportunities. Just a takeaway, just don't miss another opportunity that you have. We have such a, sh- a short amount of time in the, in the frame of like eternity I mean, even if I live to 100, which seems crazy uh, how I eat and mm. just this dumb stuff I do. But if I do, that's still such a small time frame to represent heaven here on earth. And I would just say that as you as you go through the rest of the week, begin, begin looking and asking Jesus to, to reveal people to you. And as I've done that, I've had obnoxious things. I've walked past people and felt like I needed to turn back around and go and talk to them on the street, and it's just been weird, but I've yet to have um, a conversation that I've walked around, uh, walked from and said, man, I, I, that, I wish that didn't happen, so awesome.